Stella made a beat, so it's go time. Welcome back, Grizz Nation, to another edition of the Core 4 Podcast, a podcast on the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network alongside GBB Live, the 3ND Podcast, and the Starting 5 Podcast. Make sure you're liking, subscribing, downloading, whatever you need to do on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcast. Grizzly Bear Blues is a blog under SB Nation. You can find the web at grizzlybearblues.com. Or on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and with me is none other than the stats guru, the host of the Lockdown Grizzlies podcast, Grizzly Bear Blues senior staff writer, none other than Mr. Lotto Ticket, Sean Coleman. Sean, what's up? Hey, Parker. Good evening to you, man. How are you tonight? Thank you for having trying, me. Just trying to make it, man. I'm just trying to make it. How about yourself? I think that's what we're all doing. That's uh, that, that that's probably the theme of 2021. Just trying to make it. Yeah, exactly. I've said it uh, to my friends. I've said it on start podcasts. I, I just feel like 2021 uh, is just looking like a sequel to 2020 right now. Uh, hopefully, it, there's a lot of time obviously to turn it around. You know, it's it's the the first. I mean, it's not even quarters because there's 12 months, but you know, it's just first little stretch of 2021. So. There's still time to write the ship. And this kind of goes along with the theme of uh, today's podcast is the Grizzlies are they're 10 games into the season. They are four and six, even though they've been without John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., Justice Winslow, and in a, a rotation of uh, rotation guys such as uh, D'Anthony Melton, John Conchar, Grayson Allen, Xavier Tillman. And, you know, they're, they're out to a, a better start than uh, – we all expected, especially without John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. in the fold. But, I mean, obviously with these sample sides leads to overreactions. But before we get into those, uh, Sean, I, I just want to get your thoughts real quick on the Grizzlies' uh, four and six starts of their season and just a quick outlook going forward. Well, I mean, it's uh, it's definitely a good thing. Like, I will take four and six to the bank, be happy with it. Um, I'm pretty sure that's the ceiling that you could have expected uh, with this roster. And, and, you know, you also kind of want to be, you know, cognizant of how they're getting their wins. They're, they, you know, it, 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 three of them, they, they beat a good, a legitimately, you know, on-the-rise Hornets team, but they beat the Cavaliers and they beat a Nets team twice that were without their stars. However, this roster, despite its limitations, it's winning the games that it's supposed to win and remaining consistently competitive because it is has an established an identity, and that's the biggest thing that really stands out to me, is how quickly this team established an identity that it needed, and that, of course, is being a good defensive team. So, you know, I, I would say this is probably, I'm much happier being four and six and I anticipated I would be at the start of the season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you you had told me that you're facing uh, the Brooklyn Nets twice, the Los Angeles Lakers twice, the Boston Celtics once, the Lakers, I already said the Lakers, uh, the Cavaliers twice. Um, I, I don't know how I would have given a, a really strong outlook and also to the Charlotte Hornets who have been off to a surprisingly good start as well. I, I don't know. 
especially without John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., I don't know how many wins I would have said they would have had because, I mean, the, the team goes, jaw goes. I mean, we saw that last year, and we're still seeing it this year. I mean, granted, the team, they're not, you know, a juggernaut right now without uh, John Morant. You know, they're just trending water. But uh, I've just been very pleased with the the job that um, – Taylor Jenkins and company have done and really the job that the role players have done in stepping up their productions and playing out of their roles. Agree completely. And, and you nail on the head, you know, we, we, this is a time where it's not only the ability of the role players to step up and show how they are progressing in terms of their individual talents, as well as working together as a team and establishing this identity, but something that I've seen a few th- folks say on Twitter, and I think that, you know, it really is standing out, you know, last year, you know, I, I, I loved how, Taylor Jenkins' ability to develop these players, not just in terms of the stars, but in terms of the entire roster, it stood out. But Parker, now I really am, in, in, am hoping to get your thoughts on this. Taylor Jenkins, you know, we're talking about being value being added by a coach. That's something we haven't seen a lot in Memphis. But Taylor Jenkins adds significant value in terms of being a defensive mind as a coach. The improvements that we've seen with Tyus and, and Dylan and Jonas, as well as what DeAnthony and Kyle are doing in their roles, now, I think it's standing out. And so I think that Coach Jenkins' value and his progression as a coach is standing out as much as this roster is. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I, I always defend uh, Coach Jenkins to the death. I think he's really one of the the best minds that we have have seen in the in the organization. I know you could uh, agree with me there or come to some sort of agreement there with me as you've gotten to know and hear Coach Jenkins in these uh, Zoom calls over the past uh, five, six months. But I just really like his insight. I mean, you mentioned him as a defensive coach. I just think he's just um, a great modern basketball mind. And I'm really excited just not only in how he puts the team in position to grow, but in how – how he grows as well when he does that. And so I know you had mentioned uh, Grizzlies Twitter and uh, just to get into like what we just be for this show is uh, just what is one common theme that you have seen on Grizz Twitter or within the media or whatever, one narrative that might be an overreaction in your mind. Well, you know, it's, um, you know, I actually will compliment Grizzlies Twitter. I don't – I think that the overreaction is back to a guy that we've debated before, and that's Dylan Brooks. And I know that you and Connor and, um, you know, others really defend him. And, and and I've been, you know, a bit skeptical about him. But I think the overreaction may be that, the like – in terms of his offensive game, it seems like Twitter is focusing too much on that. And when you focus too much on that, there's probably been incremental improvements with his playmaking, but you still see similar stats lines. But I don't think that enough, anywhere near enough attention is being paid to the legitimate difference maker he's turned into on defense. In terms of deflections, in terms of steals, in terms of effort, in terms of setting a tone – this was something that we were, you know, defending the three, getting turnovers, letting the defense turn into offense. He himself said that he wanted to be in a consideration for all defensive team, all defensive NBA this year, and he's done nothing but make a case for it. So I think that that's probably, I guess, the 
maybe the underreaction, but I think the overreaction is, is that people are putting too much. They're not putting too much value into Dylan's improvement on defense and his improvement overall as a player because they're still so focused on his offense. And, and, you know, if you just accept who he is on offense, but realize how he's improving all around, you really see a nice basketball player. That's a really good compliment to our core. Oh yeah, absolutely. I've, I've been a big uh, fan of Xavier Tillman since the Grizzlies have drafted him. And I've really, for one, uh, I was on the uh, introduction Zoom call for him. I was very impressed with how he carried himself and how he studied the game and talked to the game. And obviously just like you had written about before the draft, he fit the mold of what Coach uh, Coach Jenkins and uh, GM Zachary Kleiman are looking for in uh, building this next iteration of the Memphis Grizzlies and its playoff successes and all. But, yeah, I mean, I, I was, for one, very shocked when – uh, he ended up immediately taking over Gorgie Dang's roles, the backup five, especially given how undersized he is. He was just coming off knee soreness, and he didn't have a summer league. And, you know, Coach Jenkins has really relied on Xavier Tillman and Desmond Bain as well to really lead the charge for that second unit. I know they're one of the best right now in plus-minus on the team and on-off differential. But uh, I'm really – I'm just very impressed, like you said, of – Xavier Tillman strides on the defensive end, and it gives me a great uh, feeling that the upside of him and Jaron Jackson Jr., as well as the chemistry between them. I mean, college best friends. Uh, he was Jaron was in uh, X's wedding, and I, I'm very excited to see what they could do defensively because I think they could be very interchangeable in the front court and just in the long haul. Uh, Tillman is just a very versatile piece that can unlock a lot of different combinations for the Memphis Grizzlies. When it comes to Tillman, um, you know, uh, Peter Edmonston was talking about through cleaning the glass um, earlier today. Um, he released a, a picture on Twitter talking about, you know, how the rookies Bain and Tillman were really effective when they were on the court. The Grizzlies best three, four and five man lineups show that as well. Those are names frequently on there. The spacing of Bain certainly is making a difference. But with Tillman, there's not any one thing he does elite like Bain shooting. He just does everything good to above average. You don't see yourself questioning what Tillman's doing like you do other people you see yourself really you know intrigued by how well he's playing and he's so good with the sequences getting a stop on the defensive end and then immediately after getting a bucket he's adding value and it really really is encouraging for just how advantageous the Grizzlies front court death could be in depth could be in the near future oh yeah absolutely and one one player who who's um Criti- uh, criticism has kind of stuck out as an overreaction to me, and it kind of goes along with the whole the whole front court thing you're talking about with Xavier Tillman. Is Brandon Clark? Uh, I know the the jump shot it doesn't look good, and it's really overshadowed the strides he's made on the offensive end and the defensive end. I mean, he did a great job defending Karis LeVert one on one the other night in Memphis, and. Uh, he just looks more aggressive on the offensive end, looks more deliberate and uh, with his uh, shot selection. I'm really honestly impressed that his raw averages are in the same ballpark as his rookie year numbers, even though the efficiency is way down. And I think you're really, he's going back to playing his game of playing above the rim, getting out on fast breaks and just being a defensive Swiss army knife. 
And I, I think it's going to be great for him to build that confidence as a starter from whenever he returns back to the bench and he and Tyus and D'Anthony Melton can go back to building that very effective bench trio that really elevated the Grizzlies play. And I, I do want to get your thoughts on uh, Brandon Clark and just how he's played so far and if he's been as bad as everyone's making it out to be. Has he been what he was last year immediately? No, but I think that there's a couple of things that need to be remembered about Brandon Clark. Number one, he's coming off a, you know, I know we didn't really know about the injury, but he's coming off something that slowed his start to the season. Number two, he is in a completely different type of aspect when it comes to the offense. As me and you have noticed, when it comes to the Grizzlies offense right now, they're spacing out. You see Tillman in the corner. You see Brandon in the corner. You see Gorgie in the corner. These guys are spreading out to be corner shooting options, but also the ability to drive into the lane and dish or get to the rim with their floater. Those are things that, so he's learning a new offense. And the other thing about it, Parker, is that this guy only Brandon Clark only took 24 three pointers in his three years in college. He not only is trying to establish himself as a three point shooter, but also gain the volume on the fly, which is something that's hard for him and DeAnthony Melton and others to do, even though they're in this offense. They've got to get the repetitions to get the free uh, the muscle memory to get the feeling of, of how to get it flowing before they can really be relied upon as shooters. So that coupled with his ball handling. There's just so much that he's added to his game and you're starting to see the efficiency there, but I'm really liking how it's showing because he's not only showing the key bounce of being putbacks and, you know, with the floaters and things like that, there's an improved ability for him to move with the ball dribbling. And that's something we certainly have hoped he would unlock eventually. And I've seen an improvement in that. So it's been a, it's been a slow progression, but I'm happy where it is right now. Yeah, for sure. I think one of my favorite parts of Brandon Clark's start and just a narrative that's getting debunked is the Brandon Clark bad starter one because his numbers were pretty skewed because he left two games early with injury. So obviously a four-game sample where you leave two games early, the sample size is going to look very messed up. And I'm just glad that he's out there contributing and also just he's contributing with uh, Kyle Anderson and Jonas Valanciunas sharing the front court with him. Not the two best floor spacers at all. So whenever he goes to the bench or whenever he's playing alongside Jaron Jackson Jr. and John Morant in more space-friendly lineups, then I, I like what could happen with Brandon Clark. I really think a leap could happen if he gets those efficiency numbers up. Agree completely. And right now that that um, five-man lineup of Tyus, uh, Dylan, Kyle, Brandon, and Jonas, right now it's registering a negative 6.7 net rating. But the thing about that is, is that it was a lot worse just a few games ago. And again, they are playing, you know, we got to consider the competition that they're playing, but we also got to consider these guys, you know, you're probably asking, probably legitimately asking four guys to be starters or at least be, you know, significant starters, you know, above what their, act, their actual roles are supposed to be. But as they're playing together even if you consider the competition they're getting better and that's through Tyus and Brendan Clark really starting to emerge as the uh, era of efficiency they were a tag team that would be my name for them is the era of efficiency uh, that part of things really is starting to emerge and uh, making this offense more consistent which is what it needs mm-hmm. absolutely and so just uh before we wrap up the show um, obviously I'll answer this question as well but through these 10 games 
what is just one thing that you realized about this team going forward throughout the season? I mean, it could be something, you know, within the front office or a move that needs to be made or something on the court. Just what, what's one thing that uh, you've just kind of realized about this team? Their mindset and commitment to the the schemes that Taylor Jenkins has adds value in and of itself. We can talk about their talent. We can talk about their IQ, their approach, whatever it may be. But their mindset and their and their desire to you know their devotion to the scheme that Taylor Jenkins has in place that adds value in and of itself. And I know for for someone like myself who loves stats, there's probably not a stat out there that measures that. But the thing that it does do is it does allow for the fact that they gained an identity now of being truly difference-making units defensively. Not a lot of teams in the NBA have can go 10 or 11 deep, and with any one of those guys in play, they can have a unit that can really make a difference defensively. The experience that this Grizzlies team, that their depth is, is, is earning right now, once their starters come back, you legitimately have both a first and a second unit that really can make a difference with their defense. And I think that's going to be so huge in keeping them competitive consistently both this year and beyond. So my realization is, is that the upside of the defensive ability of this depth could really be a calling card for this team going forward. Yeah, for sure. I a hundred percent agree. And uh, versatility the versatility of this team is just the thing that kind of sticks out in that regard, both on the offensive end, the defensive end. I mean, offensively, they have a lot of playmakers. They have, they can go big, they can go small. You you know, you can have Jonas Valanciunas or Gorgie Dang run the five, or you can have Jaron Jackson Jr., Brandon Clark, or Xavier Tillman run the five. You can play D'Anthony Melton alongside uh, Tyus Jones and Desmond Bain for like a three-yard lineup. I mean, you've seen them do it with uh, Tyus, Melton, and Grayson, but I don't want anybody trying to burn down the podcast for suggesting to play Grayson Allen over Desmond Bain because I don't think that – I mean, with you play Kyle Anderson at the three or the four, you can run a lineup with no traditional point guard, with just Justice Winslow, Desmond Bain, uh, Dylan Brooks, Kyle Anderson, Jared Jackson Jr., there's just so many different ways they can go. And it not only just highlights the offensive versatility, but the defensive versatility as well. Because at the end of the day, somebody might be able to play that position on offense, but they got to be able to hold their own defensively on that end as well. And I think that's something that we've seen so, so far from this team. And I'm very just impressed with how Jenkins has just rolled with what he's gotten. And because it's drawn some innovation. I mean, we've seen – not as much this uh, regular season, but in the preseason, you know, he was playing John Conchar at the four, Desmond Bain at the four, Dylan Brooks at the four. We've seen Kyle Anderson run the one, Desmond Bain run the one. We've seen so many different initiators of the offense to kind of just offset what the Grizzlies don't have right now. And I just think it's going to pay off in the long run. Agree completely. And, and that's the whole thing about it is that in a year where there's really no bad outcomes, you know, the playoffs, you know, still a long shot, but with those playing games, this defense stays where it is. You know, I think, again, that's an overreaction as well. You know, we legitimately are playing like a top five defense right now. We're not a top five defense in the league. You know, overall, that's not going to be maintained. But when our starters do come back, not only is it the depth and the of the offensive potential that we have and the efficiency, but also you add in this defense, 
we could stay competitive enough to where if we can still hover around 500 until our we're fully, you know, our roster is fully healthy. We could steal some games. And, you know, it seems like that right now, if you can hover around that 500 mark, you'll certainly be there in the end. So excited to see. Think the playoff chances are, are certainly a little bit down from where we may have thought they would be, you know, even at the beginning of the season. But they're still realistic if this team can maintain its effort once the stars come back. Absolutely. That, that kind of leads me to the realization I've had after these uh, 10 games. It's a, it's a very popular topic within uh, Grizzlies Twitter, mainly because of the ties they have to G League prospect Jalen Green and also the brilliance of uh, Kate Cunningham is this team's going to be too good to tank per se. And granted, I hate using the word tank with this team because uh, I, I don't want that in my culture at all. Uh, this John Mar- John Morant's not going to let that happen. Coach Jenkins is going to let that happen. Nobody 1 through 17 is going to let that happen. And I don't think the uh, front office wants that either. And just, I mean, they're 4 and 6 right now without arguably three of their top five players. I, I don't know where I want to put Justice Winslow in there. But uh, the, the dreams for Kay Cunningham and Jalen Green, they just rest more on the, the luck of the ping pong balls rather than the, the record the Grizzlies may have because – I think once those guys get back, they're going to play playoff level basketball. And as we're seeing in the West right now, and as, as uh, Luka Doncic said to be in the season, whoever whoever like wins is basically just going to be the team that got luckiest with the whole uh, COVID situation. And so it just it's going to leave things wide open in the West, not for like a title run or anything. I think the Lakers kind of have that wrapped up, but to make the playoffs, I mean, it's pretty wide open. And if the Grizzlies can, you know sustain that defensive ability and uh, just keep riding or ride even higher when John Jaron and justice Winslow get back. I mean, just throw the photoshops of Kay Cunningham and Jalen green and grizzly jerseys away. Cause I don't think that's going to happen. And, you know, I think you might like that because that, that puts them in range for a uh, Keon Johnson, Jaden Springer of UT. <laughs> we'll see. I, I, I still, there's some wings out there, but that, that also is kind of the thing to remember is that, you know, in this draft, it, it's wonderful to think of, you know, um, Cade Cunningham, to think of Evan Mobley, to keep, to think of, uh, you know, the uh, um, Jalen Greens and all that. But a couple of other caveats of that is this, is that the one area of this draft that, that is strongest, that it long suit is the one area that the Grizzlies need. That is a wing creator. So even if the Grizzlies were to finish right outside the playoffs in the lottery, they still have a chance. Remember, we landed jaw with the ninth best odds, so we still have that in place, plus the depth of wings. Even if we don't get in that top five or even top ten, we still have the potential to get like a Scotty Barnes or a Zaire Williams or B.J. Boston or somebody like that. There still is plenty to gain no matter what, and that, again, just goes back to the success we had last year. So if the effort is leading to improvement on this roster, ride it with it. If it leads to the playoffs, great. If it doesn't, great. Either way, you benefit long term. Absolutely, yeah, I agree. It's just a great position to be in, and uh, Sean's about all the time that we have. Um, you can give a final thoughts if you want to, and just let the people know where they can find you. Yeah, it's always a pleasure, Parker. I wish that we could do this more often, but you can find me at Staff 
SAC you can find uh, my show at Locked on Grizz. Parker, you know, obviously, probably once a month or so, you're on there as well. We're either breaking down the schedules, giving Joe Hill or whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, but uh, but uh, no, um, um, yeah, uh, just um, you know, going game by game. I'm talking about a lot of different perspectives on Locked on Grizzlies. Uh, we'll be having some guests here, um, you know, in the near future from the Memphis market, just kind of assessing maybe a quarter through the season where things stand. Uh, but yeah, and you can also find my work over at Grizzly Bear Blues. I'm, I'm not to the quality of, of you or others, but um, I, I enjoy the opportunity that's there. So so that's where you can find me. And it's always an honor and a privilege to be able to get to talk some basketball with you, Parker. Thanks again for having me. Absolutely. No problem. Make sure y'all follow Sean at Stats SAC. Listen to the Lockdown Grizzlies podcast and read his work over at Grizzly Bear Blues. I, he's been a phenomenal addition to our site. He's really blown up in Grizz Twitter after he guessed all three of the four Grizzlies draft nine acquisitions, Desmond Bain, Xavier Tillman, Killian Tilly. But that just shows and illustrates just the, the wonderful work Sean does and the basketball mind that he is. And so you can follow me on Twitter at Paca underscore Flocka. Make sure you're reading the blog on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies or on the web at grizzlybearblues.com. Make sure you are liking, subscribing, downloading to the podcast network where you can listen to every episode of the Core 4, GBB Live, 3ND, and the Starting 5 podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen to your podcast. Follow the podcast on Twitter at the Core 4 podcast with the number four, not the word four. Remember that. That's it.